Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and renewal of our world. We're so glad you're listening. So we're diving into some practices today. We're actually going to get into the specifics on some of these practices that we've been building toward and setting up here in, in the last few weeks. And today we're going to talk about prayer. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask in this prayer for God to make clear today what prayer is really about. Okay, so God, we, we give you this, this time, these next few minutes, on something that uh, historically has, has bored far too many people. It has frustrated too many people. And we're allowing you today, God, the time and space to reframe in our minds internal to us what prayer is about and how it actually works. And God, I pray that we leave here today committed to practicing this, not just hearing about it in church, but may we put into practice what you came to teach us, Jesus. Okay, in our setup for a few weeks, we talked about how in the very beginning in Genesis, the Genesis story of creation tells us that you and I, humans, unlike anything else in the universe, were designed to image God. This was what we were designed to do. We were designed to replicate the love and life and creative beauty of God. And instead, we took that ability to co-rule. That's actually what Jesus says in Genesis 1, 26 and 28, that we were to rule over all of life, managing life, replicating his life. Instead, we took that and warped that calling into controlling for ourselves, placing ourselves in control. Instead of God and his creative nature being at the center of life, we made ourselves. We tried to make ourselves at the center of life, and so we decreated. Instead of creating and perpetuating God's life, we decreated. It, it left the world in utter ruin, ruins. And Jesus, I'm speeding way ahead here, Jesus comes, yes, God in the flesh, but he comes as a human. And he came to live out the calling of humans to, so that we would actually have a human correctly, perfectly live what it is to image God. And he became our template. And Jesus would go on to say, you are building, everyone's building a future. You're building some kind of a future. And you're either going to build a future that lasts and has meaningful relationships of substance. You're going to make a difference in the world. You're going to become more and more the image of God. Or you're going to work and work and work and build and build a future that actually doesn't last. And it all comes down, Jesus says, to whether you look at the template, the blueprint, and you look at the blueprint and you hear about the blueprint. And you hear about it and you talk about it. And you hear that Jesus did this, and he did that, and our template was good. And we come to church, and we go to church, and we go to church, and Jesus says those people are building a future that's going to collapse because they're not actually doing the blueprint. They're not practicing. They're not building with the blueprint. They're just talking about him. And that's in Matthew 7. What you practice determines what you're building and who you will become. Everyone's building. 
And unfortunately, we now live in this broken world, and what we're taught, even, even at a young age, in schools and in just from broken moms and dads that we all have, and, and just in the culture that we live in, we're taught to actually practice building around things like anxieties and what could go wrong and trying to control and control what people think. And Jesus calls us instead to become whole humans again. Jesus called us to follow him. He calls us to be disciples, and disciples are those who practice the disciplines, the behavior, the heart, the words of another. And the accurate word in English that, that's really more accurate to our language is apprentice. And an apprentice stops trying to be better in moments where they really wish, where, where we as people wish we were better, and instead we commit to training apprenticing after the one who was perfectly and wholly what humans were supposed to be. The perfect reflection and image of God. We're not even striving to be perfect. Our series is called Practice Makes Better. We are committed to following the way of Jesus so that we're improving and becoming every week, every day, more of the voice and heart and image of God. Okay, so I want to go back to, I think it was January 1st this year. It was the very start of this year. The first or the second, maybe, I was watching the football game live. Uh, some of you were, and if you're not a football fan, if, if you weren't kind of in the loop on the Bills and Bengals and this big game, you know, to start off our year, I, I kind of framed the year around sports. If, you, if, you, if you're not a sports fan, you became aware of this, I'm sure, within a day or two, that one of the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed, walking back to the huddle, just collapsed on the field, and we learned you know, 10 or 15 minutes into this crisis happening on live TV, that it was, a, it was a cardiac event of some kind. And within a few minutes, you could tell the team knew this is serious. This is like something traumatic is happening on the field. And you would see a player just kind of has wandered off to the side on live television with tears streaming, looking up at the sky, and his mouth was moving. And you knew he's praying. And then you saw another teammate praying. And then within a few minutes, you see players grouped up in twos and threes, kneeling, praying. And I prayed. I prayed. My, my family, most of us were in the room. We're watching this. Mackenzie's texting me. Are you seeing what's happening in the Bills game? And, and I just prayed out loud, God, God, you're good. I didn't know this player's name. And I'm learning his name, and I'm... And then I go on Twitter, and I'm just like, is anybody on Twitter talking about it? And everybody's talking about it. And athletes in different sports are not only urging everyone to pray for DeMar Hamlin, they're praying on Twitter. NBA players and baseball players. It's remarkable. Then the next day, you know, Sean McDermott that night, you know, as the ambulance, they're putting DeMar Hamlin in the ambulance. Sean McDermott calls the whole team over to the sideline, and they kneel and pray as a team. And later, he would talk about it. It was important to us, prayer. Prayer was important to us in that moment. The next day, around lunchtime on ESPN, an NFL analyst stops and says, listen, this is live TV. I know we don't do this kind of thing normally, but I, I just want to pray. And he prayed on live TV. You're like, what is happening? By the middle of the week, 
our country had become united for the first time that I could remember. Maybe since 9-11. And that's a big statement. I was like, Amy, is that possible? Is this the first time I felt like our country's united since September 11th? We had become united, and, and the focus of the unity was DeMar Hamlin, but the object of our unity, the tool, the instrument of our unity was prayer, of all things. In an America where today what's commonly heard in media is stop praying. Isn't that what we hear a lot? Stop praying and do something that actually matters. Do something that works. Do something practical to make a difference. We can't make up our minds as individuals, as a country. Do we pray? Do we stop praying? Have we given up on prayer? It seems like we inevitably revert back to prayer. Why do we do that? I know people, and I'm not going to call anybody out. Of course, I wouldn't do that. But I know numerous people, people that came to my mind this week, that friends of mine who I've known for years, and we, we, we talk faith when they want to challenge an idea. I'm talking about anywhere from a cynic to self-described atheist who at times, well, I'll get a text or I'll get that phone call, hey, Brad, you know, so, uh, you know I don't believe in God and you know all my things about prayer, but I, I need you, Brad, to talk to the man upstairs today. Or listen, this doctor's appointment is this afternoon and uh, I know I'm sounding like a big contradiction right now. I can't tell you how many times this has happened. And, I, you know, I'm not going to push back on my friend who needs prayer. I pray for them. But there's a voice inside my head that wants to say, wait a minute. You don't believe in prayer. You want me to pray when, you know, we've had these debates. What is it in us that says, I tried it. It doesn't work. I'm frustrated about God and he doesn't seem to listen to where we inevitably come back to. Maybe it's a crisis. Maybe you don't know what else to do. I think it's an inner instinct. It's the way we're wired, the way our inner self is wired. There's something in us intrinsically that knows I was made for connection with the one who knows, who knows the answer, knows the outcome, who I hope is in control. I think it's why we inevitably come back to prayer. I think we stop praying and we get frustrated with prayer because we don't really understand the way it works. A lot of people don't. And I'm not claiming to have this all figured out, by the way. When I make a statement like that, it's not to imply, hey, here at Dulles, we finally figured it out. We're learning and growing and we're digging into this and we're chasing after God and we're committed to trial and error. That's a part of what pr practicing is. We give up on prayer. We stop praying. Some even tell others to stop praying. Strangers. Today in America, you'll see someone tell a stranger, stop praying. For God's sake, stop praying. Do something practical. And then we just start again. I wonder how many in churches, how many people who fill churches just don't properly understand what Jesus has taught us about prayer. And so we do it incorrectly, and then when prayer doesn't seem to 
create the results that we want it, we get frustrated, we get discouraged, we start calling God in our minds, if we don't say it out loud, we at least ascribe this to him in our minds, that he's just random, can't figure God out. Prayer seems pointless if what we pray for doesn't happen. And I bet you felt that way at times. There are times in your life where you must have felt what I have felt in my life at times. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. Amy and I, during her back and neck pain, I mean, her, her, she's had back pain for a number of years now, lower back pain. Then her neck started hurting, and it just increased, and it really got bad around Christmas. And just for the last six months, we've had so many times... You know, we know God hears. Our conviction on that is deep, and yet there's times where, God, this is one of those weeks. It just seems like things aren't improving. Things have actually hurt worse this week. And I think it's so easy to slip back into that, that ideal, that ideology that so many have about prayer. Prayer is frustrating, a frustrating experience for so many people because the thought is that prayer exists so that God can do what we need him to do. And this is just the honest truth. Prayer is not about getting what we want. And this, this might not sound true to you. You may say, well, yeah, it is. That's how I've always prayed in an emergency, or something is broken in a relationship, or there's a financial crisis, or there's this big meeting happening at work that I'm not really confident about. And so I call on God, please do something. Fix this. Prayer's not even about speeding up the better that we want. And God wants better. He wants better for you and me. In fact, the whole macro story of God that we read in the scriptures is about God beginning the movement of taking humanity and earth back to Eden. That's where the story is going to end. We're going to end back in the place where there's no disease and there's no saying goodbye to loved ones anymore. And there's no selfishness and there's no fighting for our own control because the world will properly thrive in whole life again because God, the author of life, is at the center again. He's in control again. We have understood his control. That's where the whole movement is, of humanity is moving, and it began with the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus came out of the tomb so that no longer is Jesus just so wise and even has this, this God attribute to heal and perform miracles, now he has power over death. Now he has power over dead things. I mean, there's nothing else left. This is all power. And the renewal of broken earth and broken humanity began when Jesus walked out of the tomb. And it is about moving us. Jesus, in the mission of the church, is moving us toward better. But prayer is not actually, doesn't, does not exist so that we can just hurry up and, and, and speed up getting the better that we want today or the better before the big meeting on Thursday or in the financial need that we're, we need God to do something about. 
The purpose of prayer is not for me to just get the stuff that I want. And then if God gives them to me, then I'll, I'll keep talking to him. I'll keep tapping him when I need something. When I need something again in a couple months, I'll reach back out to him. When I need something next year, I'll, this, is, this is just not why prayer exists. So let's look at what Jesus says, and we're going to just look at his first few sentences when he actually teaches us what prayer is about and how it works. And when we look at what we call the Lord's Prayer, there's all kinds of traditions. There's some church gatherings that never, ever happen without saying the Lord's Prayer word for word in order. There are some people who this is the summation of their prayer life as they pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Some people look at it very superstitiously. In fact, you know, some of you know about my high school baseball coach. I just can't exaggerate this. I wish I had a video clip of our, of our pregame warm-ups. This man had the foulest mouth. I don't know how a history teacher in high school and a high school baseball coach can, can use language like this in pregame warm-ups, but he did, and everybody seemed fine with it. I mean, just if I showed a video this morning, if I had one, it would be like bleep, 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 bleep. I mean, we'd be bleeping like... He'd call out to the outfield. This is, you know, away games, home games. Out to the outfielders and, you know, um, colorful language. Or maybe, maybe the word colorful, maybe it's dark. Dark's probably the way to describe it. Or to infielders. And, I mean, 20 seconds after yelling something out to the outfielders, bleep, 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 he would do this every game he never missed. Okay, fellas, bring it in. I'm going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And, I mean, it was just the craziest thing. We'd all, we'd all come around. He'd take his hat off. Our Father who art in heaven. And we'd, all, you know, we'd pray with him. And we knew. We knew. Every player on that team knew. We're not praying. We're not doing this to get our hearts right with God or, or to stop and think for a moment about what matters to God. We're doing a superstitious good luck charm right now because this coach will do anything to find any little bit of favor before this game starts. And we knew it. So let's look, let's look at what Jesus says about how prayer works. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to, isn't this interesting? They love to stand up and pray in the houses of worship and on the street corners so that everyone will see them. I'm going to get God's attention and I'm going to impress the people. Jesus is describing self-serving prayer. Prayer does not work. When it's about you and self-serving or attracting attention or trying to impress or maybe earning God's favor, I assure you, Jesus says, they, they have already been paid in full. In other words, these kinds of prayers are hollow. They're empty. I thought about this uh, standing at your wedding the front of the aisle, I've done so many weddings, and I guess this is just, I used this example with some of you um, some time ago, and I didn't expect it to resonate the way it did, and it really clicked, so I'm going to try to use this example more often. But when you, you know, the centerpiece of the wedding day are the vows, exchanging the vows, saying, pledging your life to your wife, your husband. And if you imagine standing there in that moment and saying to the person that you're marrying, that you're, 
you know, pledging your vows to. I express these vows to you today because I want you, I need you to make my life better. I mean, can you imagine that? You know, we'd all kind of cringe like, ooh. That's not love. When you understand what real love is, you know, when we understand what love, love is, is not committing your life to someone because they're going to give you more pleasure or they're going to make you happier. I mean, of course, that day should be about where we're, our lives are joining and we're going to be happier together. But you don't pledge your life, I hope not, to someone because they're going to make you better. They're going to make you look better. Love is caring so much for someone. You want to make their life better. You want to elevate them. You don't want to dream and try to live a meaningful life alone because doing life next to this person has become your dream. This is what you're saying. This is what you're expressing. I think prayer is often seen as, hey, God, I need you to do this thing for me. Or we're desperate. Or there's this crisis happening, this awful situation. Please, please, God, make it right. Fix the problem. Prayer is not simply saying, God, give me what I need. Give me better. Make me happier. Fix this problem. Prayer is saying, God, what do you need? And you think, well, God doesn't really need anything. So we adjust the prayer to, God, what do you care about? What does your heart want? What are you trying to do inside of me? What is your answer for this situation? Why, is your, why does your response seem slow to me? What is it that you're trying to teach or grow in me as I'm waiting? Prayer is saying to God, God, I'm going I'm to go on this, this walk. I'm going to get in my car and drive and sit next to that pond or... I'm going to close this room in my house and sit with my coffee. And God, I'm going to take these moments to tell you, I want you to do what you're trying to develop in me, what you're trying to grow inside of me, what you're trying to teach me. This friend is hurting. This person is hurting, and it hurts me. And so, God, you are good, and you have good I don't know what the good looks like. I, I, I thought you would have solved this yesterday, and the problem is still there. So God, what is your plan? How can I stand next to this person and support them? Regardless of the outcome, regardless of the outcome, prayer is aligning your heart with God, what matters to him, what he's doing, what his agenda is, what his plan is. Okay, we go on with Jesus' words in Matthew 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what you do in private, will reward you. Now, Jesus is not saying pr prayer should always be private. It can sound that way. There are churches in tradition who've actually taught. There, there are 
churches around the world today who teach that faith is a very private matter. You should never talk about it with anyone else. You should never express faith to anyone else. That's not what Jesus is saying here. We, there, there are many instances where Jesus and the disciples are praying openly. Sometimes they pray in very large gatherings. What Jesus is saying here is, be humble. When you approach God, be humble. Don't pray for attention or to try to impress someone else. Care about aligning your heart with God. We continue with verse 7. When you pray, do not use a lot of meaningless words as the pagans do who think that their gods will hear them because their prayers are long. Do not be like them. Your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Okay, so here is the million-dollar question. You and I are going to begin practicing intentionally. It's not, not, not the, this week is going to be the first time you've ever tried to pray. But we're going to, starting today, tomorrow, this week, I'm, I'm inviting you, I'm challenging you to join me in this. We are going to intentionally practice prayer the way Jesus designed it. And we're going to just see what happens in the next couple of months together as we do this together. And I, I, I know, I don't know specifically what's going to happen in the timing, but I know you're going to encounter and experience the reality of God. This is, this is what happens when we practice life Jesus' way, when we follow him as our template. The million-dollar question that all of this really centers around is if the Father, we just read it, your father already knows what you need before you ask him. So if, if our father God already knows what we need, you could finish the question for me, can't you? If he already knows what we need, well then, why pray? Because prayer isn't convincing God to do what we want. Prayer is our giving control over to the one we instinctively know is in control or should be in control or that we've decided we're now placing in control. Prayer, by definition, by Jesus' own model and teaching, prayer is surrender. Prayer is surrendering what I want, when I want it, what life should look like to God's design, what he's developing in me, why he's trying to slow me down, why he's trying to make me a better listener, why he's trying to develop humility inside of me, why he's trying to give me empathy Instead of looking at the word selfishly, God's trying to grow empathy inside of me. There are so many quick fixes that we want. We, God, I just need you this week. I just need you to show up in this job search or in this financial situation or this broken relationship or the loneliness I feel. I just need you to, if you'll just fix this. When God cares first and foremost, he cares about your loneliness. He cares about the hurt. He cares about our finances, but what he primarily cares about is you and I, from the inside out, beginning to look more like him. Getting back to our intended purpose, what he designed us to be, which was to image him. 
This is what the centerpiece of prayer is. Prayer is surrender to what God thinks, to God's timing, to what he cares about. To, to what God wants to see as the solution. Prayer is often, so often, it is surrendering my first want, my priority to what is God first trying to do? And it's most often, most often has to do with the internal, the character, the heart, the voice inside of me becoming more like Jesus. Jesus continues in verse 9. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honored. And here we come to verse 10. And if you don't remember anything else, this week, if you're just remembering, we're supposed to be practicing. I'm supposed to be practicing this week. What did Brad say? Shoot, he talked about a football player. And remember this. This is what you need to remember. Matthew 6.10. This next verse, this is it. This is the centerpiece. This will level set you. If you forget or you kind of lose your way, come back to Matthew 6.10. Jesus has just started. The, the template of prayer begins with, God, you're amazing. You're, 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 you're so much greater than anything else in creation. May your holy name be honored. And then in verse 10, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is powerful. You start praying this way, you are going to see the reality of God open up in front of you. I, I, you know, I want to I guarantee it. And I'm not saying it's just going to tomorrow. Your whole life's going to be different. I'm telling you, journeying with Jesus, committing that I'm going to be in training now. I'm no longer going to try to just be better. I'm going to try, oh, shoot, next Tuesday, I wish I had that Bible verse that I could just come up with in this situation, in this conversation. I'm going to try to be a more loving person. Instead, when you commit to training, I'm going to train and I'm going to connect my soul and my life and my future to the one who's created me. And I'm going to do this through regular conversation with him. When you do it his way and you do it the way of Matthew 6.10, you are going to see the actual practical presence of God open up in front of you. It will leave you in awe. You'll see God doing things in your life where you know he's changing me. He's using me to speak into others' lives, the, the lives of others. This prayer is about you and me speaking into, talking to God about what was originally intended in Eden, that his space his presence would align with our space and our presence, that we would walk in step with God. And now that we live as humans in this broken world, with all the things that depress us and all the bad news and the discouragements and the inner anxieties that we constantly fight, Jesus is telling us, make your conversation with God centered around his kingdom. His presence, his power, his activity, his answers. What he wants to do, what he wants to work in renewing this world, in renewing our neighborhoods, in renewing people who feel lost and empty with hope. Ask God to make his plan and will happen here on earth in our, our corner of the world. 
This is core to who we are here at Dulles. This is central to our theology. That the whole story of God in Scripture is the story of God working his plan to once again finally realign his presence and our presence. And when you read the New Testament all the way through, you see this is where we're going to end up. We're going to end up back in Eden, the garden city, that garden city that's described at the end of Scripture. This place of overwhelming beauty and love and perpetual good and life. And we are once again living out the purpose, the human purpose to image God. Prayer is our tether. It's our connection. It's a, it's a portal. Prayer is our portal to God, his realm, his presence, his power, his voice, to his heart, to his timing. Prayer is the portal to what matters to God. And when you align your heart instead of, God, I'm going to consume and I just need you to show up. This is an emergency. God, make me feel better about my life. When we make prayer what it was really intended to be, God, you are powerful and you have come. You sent your son into this world to begin remaking it and reshaping it. And I want to be part of that plan. You don't need to worry about the other things. Jesus even says, do I not see the birds? And what they need to nest and to feed their babies. I, I care about the littlest, tiniest bird. Don't you think I care about the one creature designed to image me, designed in my image? I will take care of you. I will give you everything you need to thrive and grow and connect and have meaningful relationships and have laughter in your life that you've never had. But the origin point isn't this magician worker who just randomly throws out good once in a while. And so we go to church and we try to, we try to appease him and do the right thing so that maybe some of his favor will fall on us this week. The, 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 the source of us walking in the good and the beauty that lasts and never crumbles or collapses in storms, the source of that is our aligning ourselves with perfection, good, love, the source of life. The truth is, you know, it's no secret that when we stop, we often stop praying when we don't get what we want. I don't think that's a secret. And maybe you could say, yeah, I've done that before. But the truth is, if we're honest, we also stop praying when we do get what we want. If we think prayer exists to get us what we need from God, to, to give us what we want, you'll even stop praying after God answers a random prayer. Oh, he did it this time. Can't explain it really, but he did it. God, I'll get back to you next time I need something. And it just, it throws you into inner spiritual, heart-level, mental chaos about why you're here and about how life actually works. It's interesting to me, Ramon and I had a conversation this week about, about this message, and uh, 
I said to Ramon, you know, Jesus prayed. It's, it's interesting, fascinating, that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest and his crucifixion, and he prayed on the cross, and neither of those prayers was Jesus given what he asked for. And yet he still chose to talk to the Father so that he was connected to God's plan and as awful as it seemed, and even asking in the garden, Father, can we do something else here? Is there another way to rescue humans? And he called it the cup. Do I need to drink this cup? But what matters most to me is your plan, God, your heart, because you are good, and even when everything looks desperate, you're working good. It eventually leads to your good and your renewal. And of course, three days later, not only does Jesus know the plan, but everyone else starts to see his death was leading to the renewal of all things. I, uh, I think we have this on the screen too. Prayer is not a quick way to get what we want. Prayer is more correctly what we do when we don't know what to do. And that's a more genuine expression of prayer. When you're desperate, God, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I'm at the end of my rope here and I don't know what to do, so I'm turning to you and I'm telling you I think you know the solution. Or maybe there's something you're trying to do inside of me. That is a very genuine expression of prayer. Don't let guilt stop you because you haven't prayed in a long time. Or because you, it's essentially the same result. You're putting God back in control. I've got some pictures here, um, and I, I, I share these. I shared them last year, some of these, and I, I, I will probably do it again because this is so important to me, and there's nothing magical about the way I pray. It's not like I've patented this perfect way to pray. I'm just telling you, I've been doing trial and error for a long time, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning more and more how to connect with God's heart as a husband, as someone who's had financial concerns, as someone who wants... Good friendships. Um, there's a picture here. Okay, I was actually just there a few hours ago. This is a prayer walk I do around this path four mornings a week, five mornings a week. There's a, a, a trail here in Aldi. I've got a picture of this. This is, um, this is a place that I pray often about eight or nine minutes from here. Uh, it leads to a stream. Alton and I stood. We prayed together one morning. I don't know, a few months ago, we stood right along this bank here and prayed, praying for our church, for what God wants to do and our people. And I want to show you this picture of Old Forest Circle. This is a precious McKenzie. My Christmas gift from McKenzie this year was this photo, framed. Uh, my family lived on this street a long time ago. For about eight years, we lived in this very wooded street. It's, it's actually a circle called Old Forest Circle, that street sign. It's always been kind of funny to me. And this is my earliest place of consistently connecting with God was walking the street. As a late teenager, 19, 20, 21 years old, late at night, hot summer days. I remember walking in the streets, you know, just super hot. 
I walked one night, I vividly remember walking in the snow one night, and God was so real to me in that walk. You know, it's, it, it's like I knew I wasn't going to see footprints if I looked down, but I just, I was like, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know. It just felt so real to me. And, you know, when I, I didn't get into the college that I wanted to get into, I found myself on the street just trying to figure life out. God, are you there? A girlfriend and I broke up, and I walked the street. You know, some of the things that we can even find as trivial later in life, like these things matter to God deeply. And I, I found myself surrendering you know, the career that I wanted. My first career was to play football. <laughs> and then that didn't work. So I thought about architecture and starting that, that inner sense of maybe leading a church someday, which scared me. I was working that out on the street, running from God. I ran from God while walking with him. Like, I'll do anything. Don't pray that prayer. I'm just telling you, don't pray. Don't pray the prayer, God, I'll do anything but be a pastor. I'm just telling you. So I often go to the street, often do, um, at least once a year. And over the holidays when we're in Winchester, I'll sneak away and I'll drive over 10 minutes over to the street and park and it's cold. I'm bundled up in winter gear and I'll just, I'll walk this. It's a one mile. It's exactly one mile to circle and I'll walk it and in 2018, I'm going to just, this is just one example. One, I'm going to read you one of my prayers that I wrote partly in the car that night and then after I got home that I had prayed walking around the circle. Um, at the end of 2018, I, I described that as the hardest year of my life. I went there to that circle that night to pray, feeling sorry for myself, <laughs> telling God how hard it is to be a pastor. You know, I was like pouting. And just wanting a successful year in the coming year. Like, God, I wasn't wanting to be famous. I didn't want to be a famous pastor. I didn't even want a, a big church. I wasn't asking for those things, but I was asking for success. God, could, could one of these years just go better? Pastoring is just not easy. And I was particularly, like, feeling that on this night, December 26th, 2018. I was asking God to help me be a good pastor and maybe give me some what, what felt to me like success. And instead, when you pray, when you practice praying the way Jesus has taught us, surrendering, what, what do you care about? God, what, what is your plan for me? When we practice adjusting prayer in our conversation to that language, the Holy Spirit in us just more quickly, more quickly we recognize the adjustment. So I'm praying, I'm driving over there like, God, 2019 is going to be the year. I just need you to, I need you to make it a breakthrough year. You know, like one of those, I park, I get out, I start walking, and my heart gets pulled into this prayer. Tonight, on my walk, I began to deeply, some of this is summarizing and some of it is just quoting myself. Tonight on my walk, I began to deeply want, the word is crave, God's presence in my life more than anything else. Tonight, like years ago here, I prayed for God's close presence, not his generic presence. But his close presence, his power, his love to stand next to me, to sit next to me, to walk next to me. I specifically prayed tonight, God, make me in my identity 
entirely defined by your presence. My past, my future, my present, my voice, my influence, my friendships, my marriage, my parenting, my leadership, that it would all be defined and known by your close presence in my life. And I'm walking, you know, another half mile. God, I believe you want my dreams, my messages, my leader meetings, my house and resources, my communication, my creative ideas, my friendships and time with people, everything defined by your close personal presence. And I drove away that night with the overwhelming sense that I had stepped into it, into success. Not, not, not success like we think climbing the ladder or this is going to be a, the year. I had surrendered to what God cared most about that night, which is if I'm close to you, God, then I've got everything. If I pastor a small church the rest of my life, if I just have a couple friends that love me and I love them well, I, it doesn't matter. I am now walking in the power and success of my God. I've now become the channel to his success, whatever that looks like. I don't care what it looks like. It's just going to be great. It's going to be beautiful because it's on his terms. I, I drove away just so confident knowing. Prayer is legacy. Ramon said this to me, and I added it to my notes. He said, what you're describing is prayer is a legacy. We will someday look back and realize we're, we're standing in the future on our prayers of today. The relationships we have. The view of the world that we have. The character of God growing and developing in us. Okay, so I'm at the end here. I'm going to invite our band to come. And as our band's coming, it starts to feel like, oh, he's wrapping up. You know, we can start to think about what we're going to have for lunch or those kind of... Don't do that. Stay with me here. This is important. These next few minutes are the most important. Okay? A few challenges or invitations here as we begin practicing collectively the way of Jesus. First... I'm going to just repeat it. If you vacation or when you do or when you're out of town, good. Have fun. Just don't vacation from God. Stay connected to what we're talking about and what we're diving into this summer, okay? Number two, we had our first Practice Makes Perfect midweek group Wednesday night at my house. We had a big crowd squeezed on, under our porch, and man, it was encouraging. So many people sent me notes and texts like, man, this is going to be so encouraging for me. Join us, and join us when you can. If you can join us a couple Wednesday nights a month, join us. We are going to just talk about how do, we, how do we do this? How do we practice prayer? This week we're going to talk about prayer. What works? What hasn't worked? We'll hear from some of our leaders and what's worked for them. I'm going to put on the screen here what I'm calling collective prayer number one. Our collective prayer this week. I'm going to ask you to pray this every day. Make this your heart's prayer. And yes, screenshot it or do whatever you need to do here. And I'm going to ask you to take a risk with this prayer. Don't just pray it and say amen. Take a risk. Expect God to direct you. Put a thought in your mind or this kind of inner prompting like, ooh, I think God might be redirecting me here. God might be leading me to let go of something. Write it down. Take the risk and write it down or put it into your phone. Or maybe God is going to direct you to trust him with something for the first time. Or maybe God is going to direct you to change the way you think about something or the way you behave 
in a certain part of life. If you think that may be God because of this prayer and your time with him, write it down. Hold on to it because God's probably at work. Okay, here's the prayer. Yeah. Jesus, and this is my closing prayer today, and our band will lead us here. Jesus, speak to me and help me to anticipate your voice in my life. Give me a stronger sense of your presence, you near me, you with me, you close to me. Begin to reveal yourself to me as I read scripture, as I talk to you in prayer, and as I engage others in my church who are practicing the same.